good a good process to kind of learn the, the jail here because uh, I know in Chris's heart there's been a real heart uh, desire in hers to help some of these people especially as they transition out of the jail into uh, back into normal life even if it was just a short term you know if you've not been a person who you know some of these people they're professional inmates right they're in and out in and out in and out of jail you know they walk in and go, hey, Bob, you know, and the, the guard says, hey, you know, how you doing, right? They, they know each other by name, right? Know their kids' names, birthdays, and all that stuff. But then some people, you know, it's a one-and-done thing, right? They, they, and it's a huge impact on their life in a positive way. It does its job, right, to encourage them to not uh, do uh, activities of a criminal nature. And, you know, folks like that really uh, need some uh, compassion and love from from people, right, to not hold it against them and, and um, you know you take every situation differently I mean you take every situation on its own right you you have to use uh, wisdom and and um, care because you can't just open up your heart to every single person right they've done just some awful things you know you may have to just let the the uh, natural um, <clears throat> correction system deal with those people right but a lot of people are just you know they just made mistakes and um, um, you know they're, they're going to change their ways but they could really use some support and kindness uh, from the Lord Jesus. And, of course, he, he'll always give it to them. But to see that from people is a great help to folks like that. Amen. Uh, and, and that's really her and her heart's desire is to help people like that. Uh, and, and so, um, and, you know, uh, in all of these things, we will use the wisdom of the Lord and the, and the Spirit of God to know exactly what to do. You know, we won't make any uh, sweeping um, changes or any sweeping you know things that will allow them to bring any harm to the ministry here right uh, and, and so uh, but the Lord is gracious and kind and and um, you know uh, in fact the two thieves on the cross you know one of them made it and one of them didn't right and the Lord was gracious even to the end to people that were thieves amen uh, and so um, so that that's where we're at and we don't have a date yet on, on that but we'll let you know as we get closer to that my guess it'll be sometime mid-December before Christmas that uh, uh, that way they'll have something there for Christmas and um, and um, we'll let you know amen uh, and so why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight so father we thank you for uh, your word father we thank you for the blessings of your word <clears throat> father we thank you that our faith is dependent upon what you've written to us thousands of years ago father and it's still as real and fresh today as it was the the day that it was penned on on ink with ink and paper father and so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you've uh, granted us revelation into these words for our lives. And they're real, Father. They're powerful. They are world-changing, Father. And if we will accept them and believe them, Father, then we can be world-changers as well. And so we give you the praise for these things, Father, the honor for them, Lord. And we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians. Uh, we'll continue there tonight. So <clears throat> we've got down to Philippians uh, chapter 3 here and um, Paul said let's let's read here in uh, well I'm over in Ephesians chapter 3 which is a good chapter just not where I need to be right so Philippians chapter 3 uh, <clears throat> Paul said here in verse 3 says for we are the circumcision which worship God of the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh and then he goes on and starts talking about why he would have a, a right from a natural standpoint to have confidence in the flesh and he goes kind of through his resume there and um, I want to take a, just a little uh, side journey here 
you know, I was reading some commentary on this. And, and you know, commentary is just that. It's just basically people's opinions, right? But, but people uh, of sincere and intelligent hearts have written lots of good uh, 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 information related to, the, uh, related to the Word of God there. And so, but one of them that, uh, and it's, uh, we won't name any names, but uh, someone had written some commentaries that I have appreciated over the years. But they got to this particular verse and they said, well, well, Paul, because of his great confidence in the flesh, really got out of order with the Lord in his walk with God. And because uh, he, uh, of all these things, because he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews and because he was a Jew and because he was a Pharisee, that when he wanted to go to uh, Jerusalem uh, that he really got out of the will of God and then spent five years or more out of the will of God uh, and, and he said it was because of this statement that because of Paul's great um, uh, great confidence in the flesh that he had and so he really was saying that Paul really up until this time that he's writing the book of Philippians that really up to that time he did have confidence in the flesh and kept the confidence in the flesh but it was only until uh, when he finally started writing the book of Philippians, he realized that he shouldn't have confidence in the flesh. Uh, and, uh, and he went through some, some explanation in the book of Acts. Uh, and I read all of it, and I thought, well, I don't agree with any of these things. And, and you know, so, so the, the point is not to disparage anybody, because I'm not going to tell you who the commentator was. But I think it's helpful just to go, at least go through and look at some of, the, some of the thoughts that they had about this and why from the word of God that it doesn't seem to fit with what the word uh, declares unto us. Uh, and so uh, let's, uh, let's go back to the book of Acts chapter 21. And this is kind of where he said that um, uh, Paul had really missed it. And so we'll, we'll start with that and then we'll kind of back up and look at a couple of things there. So in, in Acts chapter 21, so uh, Paul... Um, <clears throat> Let's see, um, that's, that's not where I want to be. Yeah, down in verse 25. So, um, it says, um, let's see. So they, so they are, at this point in time, in verse 25, they have made it to Jerusalem, right? So earlier parts of verse 21, he was on his way to Jerusalem. But by this time, really in verse 17, it says, And we, when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. So they had made it to Jerusalem. And then you come down to verse 25, uh, and, um, well, the, the, uh, the leadership there in Jerusalem were concerned about Paul. Um, and, uh, and, in fact, let's just, let's just start there in, in verse 17. I think it would be easier just to read it. Uh, so they made it to Jerusalem, and verse 17 said, The brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. So anybody remember who James was? Who was James? He was Jesus' brother, right? Was he Jesus' older brother or younger brother? Just a trick question, right? <laughs> um, and, and so, um, uh, somebody actually asked that question one time from a pastor. They raised a hand. Was Jesus the eldest brother? <laughs> well, uh, if you think about it for just a minute, you kind of know the answer to that question, right? But anyway, so, he was his younger brother, right? And, you know, James did not believe in Jesus until after... What's that? <laughs> well, that's kind of why it's obvious, right? But, you know, <laughs> so, uh, that's okay, you know. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, well, sometimes it takes a minute to think about that, right? Uh, and so, um, but anyway, so, uh, but James, along with Jude, you know, one of Jesus' other brothers, uh, neither one of them believed in Jesus until after the resurrection. And, and so, uh, but James did believe in Jesus. In fact, Jesus appeared to James and spoke to him uh, and um, after, the, after the resurrection. And James believed, and James ended up being uh, what appears to be the leader of the church at Jerusalem. Uh, and so he said, he went, in, uh, went with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when uh, he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. So Paul's just reporting to James what he's been doing. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said, said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And so that's interesting, right? They, they believe, believe what? They believe in the Lord Jesus, but they are also still zealous. Now, this is Acts 21, right? This is about 20 years to, uh, or more after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And still 20 years later, they still are zealous to keep the law. And this was really the struggle that the Jews had. And it's really what caused the rift between the Jews and the Christians. Uh, because at this time, Jews and Christians were the same people, right? Uh, thousands of Jews were also Christians, right? Uh, but after a while, that, that weight and desire to follow the law, you know, they, they couldn't overcome that desire. They couldn't overcome that need to do the law, right? To keep the Sabbath, you know, uh, don't eat any unclean things. Uh, and so, in verse 21 says, And they, those Jews that have believed, are informed of thee, but thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles, to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. Which is true. Was Paul teaching those things? He was teaching those things, right? And of course, you know, you would think that, uh, I mean, it's none of my business, but you would think James would recognize that Paul being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, you know, because Paul had a, obviously a reputation prior to being saved that he was the man, right? Probably a celebrity. I mean, he had letters that he got directly from the high priest, right? Uh, and so he knew the high priest directly uh, and, and went around and, and uh, threw Christians in jail, which was a great joy for the Jews that had not been uh, converted to Christianity. And so, you know, Paul had some level of celebrity status in and uh, among the Jews. And then he gets saved, but he still had the knowledge of being a great Pharisee, right? He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? He had kept the law. Uh, and you would think that uh, they had, would know some of his background, that he had visions and revelations from the Lord. And that didn't seem to carry much weight, with, with, uh, even with James, the leader of the church there. Uh, and, and so, he said, And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews to, to, for, to not circumcise their children, neither walk after the customs. What is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they were here that thou art come. Do therefore this, that, that we say to thee, we, we have four men which have a vow on them. Take them, Purify thyself with them and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing but, thou, but that thou thyself also walketh orderly and keepest the law. As touching the Gentiles which believe we have written and concluded that they observe no such things save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Uh, then Paul took the men and the next day purifying himself with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the day's purification until that an offering should be offered for each one of them. So, so uh, you know, James is telling, uh, he's, he's telling Paul, of course, Paul never responded, right? Because James is saying, you know, uh, that uh, 
for, as far as the as far as the Jews were concerned, that um, uh, in verse twenty five there that they observed no such thing save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols. Uh, but uh, in the previous verse, um, that he said that and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing. Well, that's not true, right? Uh, uh, what what they were saying about Paul, you know, uh, not, uh, uh, with the Gentiles, he said, don't eat things offered to idols and blood and strangle and fornication. Of course, Paul did come out against fornication, but you remember multiple times Paul said, just eat whatever you want to eat. You know, if it's offered to idols, if it doesn't bother you, just eat it, right? Now, if it's going to bother your neighbor, don't eat it because, you know, for their sake. But he said that the reason why is because they're not really idols anyway. You know, they're not gods. There's no God except for God. And, you know, if you have meat that's been offered to idols, it's been offered to a dead God. So there's no real issue there at all. Just eat it, if, you know, because uh, it's not a concern. Now, you think about that in today's society, you know, if, if somebody dropped off, you know, an order of fried chicken here that had been, uh, you know, spoken over by a demonic priest or something, a Satanist priest, people would have a fit in the church if we ate it. Because, they, oh, you're going to have devils in here. Ain't no devils coming in here. You know, they can say whatever they want to. If I bless to sanctify the food, it's blessed and sanctified. It's not blessed and sanctified unless some other heathen has done something to it, right? Uh, but, you know, there, there's a lot of superstition in that area. You know, oh, you're going to invite devils, you know, by doing these things. By e- eating meat that's been offered to idols, you would invite devils into your life. That's not true at all. Paul said it's not true. Uh, and so, uh, so... You know, a lot of these things that they were saying that Paul was doing, he was doing those very things. And, and, uh, and yet they never gave Paul an opportunity to rebut this, did they? They just said, well, you know, here's the things that you should do. And, you know, uh, and, and in fact, it's interesting because they not only wanted Paul in verse 26 to, um, to purify himself. They also, uh, down at the end of it, that until an offering should be offered for every one of them. It's interesting that they're still doing offerings as the Jewish Christians, right? At this point, they're still doing... So they have no concept of the fact that Jesus was the last offering ever necessary in, in Christianity, right? There's no other offerings of any kind uh, uh, as far as, you know, sacrificial offerings that are needed at this point in time. Uh, and, and so even other offerings, like grain offerings and different things like that, all of those were, were completed in the work of Lord Jesus, Amen. Uh, and these were offerings that you offer to the Lord with the intent of receiving some type of purification or sanctification back in response to your offering. Uh, and so, uh, and, and now Paul went along with it, didn't he? And, and this is where he said, because of this, is Paul has backslidden that he's just going to do whatever, whatever they want him to do, and he's basically gone back to being a Jew. Uh, and uh, and I don't see that at all. And we'll look at uh, some details about that here in just a second. So. Um, so this is the controversy right here, right? The, uh, and, and if you go all the way back to Acts 15, uh, when, when they first, were, when Paul and Barnabas first, or, or when Paul reported back in Acts 15 to, to, to Jerusalem, they sent a letter, right? Here's a letter uh, to the Gentiles, do all these things, don't, don't eat things offered to idols. And yet Paul later on said nothing wrong with eating food offered to idols. So Paul is in disagreement with the leadership in Jerusalem. And the reason why is because they're wrong, right? They, the, the, the Jerusalem leadership, including James, the brother of Jesus, is wrong. Right? They're incorrect, right? They had not 
gone on with the, with the law. I mean, they had gone on with the law. They had not gone on with faith. Amen. They're still making offerings. They're still cleansing, purifying themselves, right? Still going to the temple. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and I can imagine that going to the temple was such a big part of their life, right? I mean, it was such a huge thing. Every, every male a Jewish person was supposed to present themselves at least once a year to the temple, right? Not just in the local synagogues in their city, but they had to go to Jerusalem, go to the temple at least once a year. Uh, and, and so that was a big part of their culture. And to remove that entirely was really difficult for them, right? Now you get outside of Jerusalem, get outside of Israel, no temples, right? And, and there are synagogues, but they kind of got converted over to the churches anyway. Uh, and so... Uh, it was really it was really hard for the Jews to make that transition, and, and a lot of them didn't make it right. Even even James here, twenty years after Jesus is gone, they're still purifying, not eating meat offered to idols, uh, still uh, making offerings for themselves, you know, to the Lord, as if that's going to buy them anything. Right? There's no offerings necessary needed for the Lord anymore. Jesus completed all of that, and it was really if it wasn't for Paul. And his knowledge of the Old Testament and, and bringing that knowledge into light of the New Testament of why it's no longer necessary to do all those things, we'd be stuck as a church because we'd all be doing this right here, right? If this was the main church of Christianity right now, right? This one in the church at Antioch. And here, 20 years later, they still don't have their doctrine right. Not even close, right? Uh, and, and, and so, still, you know, they're still distinguishing between Jews and Gentiles. And Paul said in Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. But here, there's a difference, right? Jews, the, the Jewish people, James said, Jews, you've got to do this. Gentiles, you've got to do this. Well, that's the distinguishing, right? That's saying there's separation there. Based on what? Based on your birth, your birth uh, location and birth, birth parents? That was the only difference, right? Because you take a Jew that's accepted Jesus, and you take a uh, Gentile that's accepted Jesus, there, there's no spiritual difference between the two, amen, as far as the Lord's concerned. But from James and the church at, at uh, Jerusalem there was a difference right and and, and so 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 why did Paul do this why did Paul do, uh, go through this process why did he allow himself to be purified why did he go through and and um, I think it was like a seven-day process that had to be purified uh, it says in verse 27 when seven days were almost ended uh, they saw him in the temple uh, and of course they lied on him saying they brought Greeks into the temple which is not true right uh, and so, uh, so they start stirring up things, you know, and there's always people going to stir things up. You'll notice that doesn't matter uh, any group of people that's together any length of time, somebody's going to stir something up. Why? Because there's just terrible people in the world, in the church, right? And, and so, uh, but uh, these were Jews because they're still, you know, the Jewish people and the Christians, even if they were Jews, were still mingling together, uh, at least in the, in the nation of Israel. So let, let's then back up then to... Um, back up to earlier part of chapter 21 so so part of uh, the reasoning that Paul had missed it was not only there verse 26 but also the fact that Paul went to Jerusalem at all that you know Paul said I'm going to go to Spain you know but he never as far as we know don't have record that he ever made it to Spain uh, and he said Paul was prophesied to to not go to Jerusalem so he shouldn't have gone to Jerusalem and that's part of the controversy of these things so let's go back up to uh, to verse 4 and see, we'll look at two different prophecies here, and then uh, then we'll uh, see what uh, what those things really mean. And so, it says here uh, in verse three, uh, Acts twenty-one, verse three. Now, when we discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. And there, 
for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go un- up to Jerusalem. So these are disciples, right? They're not prophets. They're not, they're, not, they're not ministers of any kind. They're just disciples, right? Not the, we're not trying to disparage them, but they're, uh, they don't hold a position in the church from a spiritual leadership perspective. Uh, it doesn't, does that mean that God can only speak to, spiritual, uh, the, to the leaders of the church? No, he can speak to the disciples, right? Didn't he speak to the disciples? We have no reason to believe. There's nothing in there that says he didn't speak to them, right? This is not an untrue statement. It's a true statement. Uh, and so, uh, but what did they say? Don't go to Jerusalem, right? Uh, and so, let's go down to same chapter, uh, down to verse 10. Uh, or let's see, let's go to um, um, verse 8 there. It says, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist. Now, do we know who Philip the Evangelist is? Where did he come from? What was his first job in the church? He's a deacon, right? He was one of the seven deacons in Acts chapter 6. And so he started as a deacon. So from Acts chapter 6, we saw him actually act as, a, as an evangelist in Acts chapter 8 there when he went to Samaria. Yeah, and now he's in the official position of, of evangelist, right? So one of the fivefold ministry gifts. In fact, he's the only named evangelist we have in the New Testament. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So uh, here we have um, Philip, the evangelist, which was one of the seven. So that's why we know he was one of the seven, right? And why do we know that? That's what it says, right? And so that's pretty easy, amen? Uh, and so they abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. Well, that ruins a lot of people's doctrine right there because the word prophesy means to preach by sudden inspiration. Uh, and so you got four preaching daughters. Well, you can't have women preachers. You're not, that's just wrong. Is that wrong? Can't be wrong. because it, 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 Did Philip uh, correct his four daughters? No. Did Agabus, the prophet that came down from Judea, uh, correct the four daughters? No. Did Paul the apostle correct the four daughters? No. And if they're preaching by sudden inspiration, who's given them the inspiration? The Lord is, right? Uh, and I've always thought it odd that people will say something negative against women preachers when it's clearly clear that they have an anointing on them. And if they have an anointing on them to teach or preach, who are we to argue with that, right? Who are we to say it's wrong if, I mean, who's the one anointing them? It's the Lord anointing them, right? Now, are there any bad women preachers? There are plenty of bad women preachers, just like there's plenty of bad male preachers, right? There's... You can be unanointed and be a minister, right? And are you called? I'm not your judge. I don't know. But it doesn't matter if you're uh, a, a male or female. Those are the only two genders, by the way, right? There's no other, there's no other genders other than those two, even though that apparently is a controversial topic today in our society, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like it should be a controversial subject, but there are lots of unintelligent people in the world today. Uh, and so anything wrong with women preachers? can't be anything wrong with women preachers because none of the leadership rebuked them right here right in fact they were the daughters of a great evangelist right uh, and so uh, and, you know it's such a small uh, uh, aside that the Lord just kind of snuck this verse in here and I think he snuck this verse in here just to mess up with people's doctrine right uh, and, and I've had uh, I had a fellow come into my church one time years ago and the first question he asked me is do you believe in women preachers I said, you mean, do, you like they, do, do they exist or not? You know, I was just messing with them. Uh, no, no, you know, you know, do you believe it's okay for women to be preachers? And I said, well, I mean, the first one who preached the gospel was a woman, Mary, right? Uh, first one to uh, see Jesus was a woman. Uh, first one to um, uh, have four daughters here, right? 
Uh, you had um, Deborah. She was a woman. She led the whole nation of Israel at one point in time, right? Uh, Paul told uh, the, the folks at Rome in Acts chapter 16, uh, do whatever Phoebe the deaconess tells you to do, right? She was a deaconess. Uh, you know, and, and people, I, I just have a, I, I never have understood why there's such a thing against uh, women in the church. You know, I know, you know, there, I mean, there's plenty of good things in the Word of God talking about women, but, um, but, but whether women should be preachers or not, it shouldn't be a controversy at all. Amen. I don't know. Paul told Timothy about you know, a woman shouldn't usurp uh, authority over a man, uh, and you know we're not going to get into all the discussion about. Um, uh, in fact, if you want more information, Brother Hagen has a great book called The Woman Question. And it goes through all these questions about, you know, uh, can a woman be a pra- uh, pastor? Can a woman be a, a minister? Can she, you know, uh, speak in the church, right? Because women should keep silent in church, uh, which, you know, uh, is probably not a bad thing. But, um, uh, but you know, why, did, why was that scripture there? Well, it was, it was in Corinth, right? Uh, and, you know, you look at the history of things and, you know, Corinth was kind of a messed up city and, uh, and, you know, if women are speaking out of turn in a church, what should you do? Tell them to keep silent, right? If men are speaking out of turn in a church, what should you do? Tell them to keep silent, right? And so it's not against women. It was against mouthy women, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we should be against mouthy women and should be against mouthy men, amen? If men are out of, out of order, we tell them to straighten up, Amen. But people like to turn things into a law without understanding what the purpose of that was to begin with. And, and um, if women are, uh, I mean, uh, my observation is women have the capacity to be just as spiritual and knowledgeable about things of God as men are. In fact, oftentimes women, it's easier for them, uh, not easier because they're, they're gender, but it's oftentimes women will more easily yield to the Lord than men will. Men are stubborn sometimes and, and thick-headed and and slow and women oftentimes it's easy for the Lord to move on their hearts and uh, and um, all the women can say amen right and so <laughs> and so uh, uh, and so uh, if the Lord if the Lord anoints somebody who are we to judge that amen and that's really the, who's who's anointing uh, women to prophesy well the Lord is so if the Lord's anointing women to prophesy who are we to judge that as wrong but now we're judging the Lord because we're not judging women. We're judging the Lord. Well, Lord, you shouldn't anoint them. Uh, well, try that and see how well that works out for you, right? Anyway, that was a small, a small rabbit trail there, right? And it says, and we tarried there many days and it came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, now Agabus has showed up earlier in the book of Acts where he prophesied about a, 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 a famine coming and uh, he was correcting that. Uh, and so now Agabus has been with us for a while in the book of Acts. And, and it says, and when he come down, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the, the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So now uh, the difference between what Agabus the prophet said and what the disciples said earlier, they both were talking about Paul having difficulty in Jerusalem. Agabus just said, here's what's going to happen. The folks in earlier in, in verse 4 said, don't go to Jerusalem. Uh, and notice that the prophet did not give him instructions about what to do. It just said, here's what's going to happen. Uh, and, that, and that tells us something about, um, about spiritual gifts uh, and being led of the Lord. And, and because we're going to go back to verse 4 and look at some different translations because different translations really help us out in that. But... Um, we live in the New Testament, which is a great blessing, right? We are the church of the New Testament. We're not Old Testament people, right? 
as New Testament people, who lives on the inside of us? The Holy Ghost lives on the inside of us, right? What's one of the main responsibilities of the Holy Ghost in our lives? To lead us and guide us in all truth, right? To, to lead us in our path, right? So is it the job of, of, uh, of the prophet to lead the people? Or, you know, in the Old Testament, it was the job of the prophet to lead the people, right? Somebody said, hey, what do we do? I don't know. Let's go find a prophet. And they'd go find a prophet. Hey, what do we do? The king would go to the prophet, right? Sometimes the king wouldn't know what to do. He would go to the prophet, say, what should I do? And that's great, right? I mean, even all the way back with Moses, when the nation of Israel, you know, were there in the wilderness, they would go to Mo Everybody would go to Moses. Hey, we got a disagreement. You know, this guy's sitting on my lawn. I don't want him on my lawn. So, you know, we need you to figure out what to do. And so Moses would judge every circumstance, right? And finally, he said, this is too much. In fact, it was Jethro who said, hey, it's too much. Go appoint some elders. And that's when he appointed the first elders of Israel uh, to help them in, in these smaller matters. And, and then Jethro said, if it's a big matter, you know, they can still come to you. Um, and so, but why did they do that? Because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. And so they didn't know. They needed somebody, some third-party objective person to judge the circumstances. Uh, and so, but now we live in the New Testament. And uh, one of the things, in, and I first uh, heard Brother Hagin say this first, he said, uh, and I, I believe it's a 100% true statement, he said, uh, the New Testament prophet is not supposed to lead the Christian. We're not supposed to get uh, guidance from the prophet in the New Testament. Uh, the, the primary purpose of the prophet is to, is, is to prophesy, which is to edify, to exhort, and to comfort. Uh, and there may be some discussion with a prophet as he speaks over to you about things that you should do in the future perhaps right there the, the prophet can in the new testament that's not his primary responsibility as it was in the old testament the old testament prophet was primarily to to discuss the future uh, but the prophet in the new testament doesn't stand in the same position as the prophet of the old testament and so uh, the prophet in the new testament uh, if if he speaks something over you it should never be new information Right, just you know, just like uh, you know, uh, the prophet comes to and sees Miss Dora. Says, "Dora, uh, tomorrow you're going to be an astronaut going to the Mars." Right? And, and had you ever thought about being an astronaut going to Mars? And you ever thought about that? Right? Uh, never been a thought. You know. Now I have thought about that. I thought if they ask for a pastor to go to Mars, you know, if the Lord lets me, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Right? I'm I'm going to Mars. They need a pastor. Right? Everybody needs a pastor. Right? Uh, and so. I've thought about that, uh, but um, I'm, uh, I imagine that Dora has never thought about that. But what if a prophet did that? What if a prophet came and said that to you? Uh, is the first thing you're going to do is go get measured for a space suit? <laughs> you're going to think you're crazy, right? No, because, because that's never been in her, right? The Lord hadn't been dealing with her for years. Hey, I need you to do this. I, I want you to do this. You need to prepare to do this. There's something that you've called to do. And a prophet comes along, basically he's just repeating to you what you already know in your heart. That's the, the point of a New Testament prophet. It should never be new information. If it's new information, it should be like, Lord, that, you'd never told that to me. Uh, and so why would you tell him something about me that you've not told me about me? You can tell me. Can't he tell you everything you need to know? Sure. So the value of that is it's confirmation, right? If the prophet speaks to you and says something that's, that's you've already got in your heart, and you go, okay, now I know. I've, I've got the witness in my heart. I've got this, this objective witness on the outside of me uh, that is also the same witness I already have in my heart. So, so that gives me confidence that I need to pursue that particular path. And, and that's valid and that's, that's, that's good, right? That's something we should know. Uh, and that's helpful. Is that helpful? It is helpful, right? But if a prophet comes and just speaks over you 
And, I, and I've seen this, and I've seen it where it just messes people up because uh, just personally, I know uh, after my pastor died, you know, we were still there at the church for many months. And uh, I was happening to be traveling one, one Sunday uh, for work, and they had invited a prophet to come to town. And I missed it. I missed the service. But the prophet went and prophesied over everybody. And when I came back, it was, oh, he prophesied over everybody. Everybody's got, everybody's got their own personal prophecy, right? And then, well, what did he say? What did he say? You know? Well, like, this one over here. Now, th- this was just, uh, 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 this was a regular housewife, right? Nothing wrong with being a housewife. Uh, she taught some Sunday school classes, you know, on occasion. She went to, went to jail ministry and, and uh, taught some of the ladies at the jail. But that was it, you know. It wasn't, she never went out preaching, never went out, you know, uh, never was pursuing a ministry of any kind, you know, as far as, you know, a full-time ministry or anything like that. But the prophet spoke over her and said, you are a prophet to the nations. Right, so not just America, but to the nations, right? And the only prophet that I know of that was prophet to the nations was Jeremiah, right? He was prophet to both Egypt and to Israel. Everybody else, even, I mean, the great Elijah, he was only prophet to the nation, to one nation. So he's greater than, than Jeremiah. Uh, and it's really unusual. I mean, is that possible? You know, it may be possible that the Lord has that plans, but if he never put that in her, and, you know, it wasn't like when... You ever, you ever seen somebody get prophesied over and everybody goes, oh yeah, we all knew that. Yeah, that's, yeah, we've known that for a long time. They've known it for a long time. We've known it for a long time. Yeah, you know, that's just confirmation of something we already know, right? Uh, but then something like that, something that's a housewife, you've never done anything as far as being a minister or work towards a ministry, you know, never been ordained, anything like that, hadn't preached anywhere outside the church of any way, never even taught the, the adult Sunday school class, you know, which was the pastor used that oftentimes to help up and coming ministers. Never did any of those things. Now she's a prophet of the nations. That's a pretty big leap, right? Uh, and, and he went down and they told me a bunch of other things that he said over a bunch of other people. You know, one, one, one uh, fellow was a pastor to the pastors. Which is interesting because he wasn't even a pastor. So how's he going to become a pastor to pastors? And, he, and to this day, it's been 20 years. He's still not a pastor. You know, and maybe he's just slow, man. I don't know, but... Um, uh, and, and so, but just, you know, time after time, they went down and, and said all these things. I'm thinking, you all should have raised your hand and said, you need to stop right here, buddy. I mean, you're saying things that nobody's ever heard before, right? And we, we all went with the church with all these people. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the ministry of the prophet has, has been a great blessing to the church, but it's also has messed up a lot of people in the church as well, right? You should never accept anything a prophet tells you unless it's already in your heart. Amen inside of things you already know um, and otherwise uh, it's, it's got to be outside the will of God because then he becomes your Holy Ghost right the Holy Ghost in you is not telling you and I've had people come tell me uh, I know one person told me one time they said the Lord spoke to me about you he said that, that I'm supposed to pastor a church and you're supposed to come work for me I thought that's odd that he would tell you something he's never told me he never told me that I need to go work for you but that's what they said. The Lord told me about you. That's really odd that the Lord would gossip about somebody, right? The Lord would talk, talk to you, talk to you about somebody else that he never talked to them about. Isn't that called gossip, right? That's basically called gossip. And yet, uh, that, so, so, you know, the ministry of prophet is valuable. And I've had plenty of things prophesied over me and, and over the years by, you know, what I consider sure enough prophets in the body of Christ. And it's never been anything new, right? It, it, it's even things that I'm not doing yet. I've had it in my heart to do, but they haven't, haven't arrived yet. Uh, but I've had, you know, people that, that stand in the office of the prophet speak those things over to me and said these things are the things that the Lord 
has basically planned for you. And so what do I do between now and then? I just, I don't do anything. I, I, I prepare, right? I, until it arrives, I just do the, what I always do, which is to prepare, study and pray and do those things. And so, so the prophet, he, he gave no instruction to Paul what he should do. He just said, here's what's going to happen. And, and so, so you have to be careful in that, you know, sometimes the Lord does tell you, you've got to do this, right? But it's things that you already know, amen? So it, it shouldn't be anything new. So let's back up then to verse 4. And let's read verse 4 again. And then let's read it again in, in different translations. And so it says in verse 4, In finding disciples, we tarry there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Uh, and so uh, I'm just going to read. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six translations. So... Um, and what you find in reading different translations is oftentimes some verses, every translation be exactly the same. There's just no really good way, no different way to translate that particular part of the original language, right? It's just really obvious, real plain, real concise. And then you get some verses like this where the difference in translations are, are very, uh, is, a, is a large difference in translations because the original language is, you know, maybe not, un, it's not necessarily unclear, but just how you can interpret that, convert that to English, uh, would be uh, in, a, in a lot of differing and varying ways. Uh, and so, because a lot of times what you see is it's the same essence, but just maybe some insight into some of the specific words. In this case, it really gives a, a complete, uh, a better, I think, a better insight into what was actually said. So one translation says that entire we found some, some students of Jesus and we, and we stayed with them for seven days. They warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem because of what the Holy Spirit had told them. So if the Holy Spirit had told them Paul's going to suffer, which is what the, the, the Holy Spirit told Agabus, the prophet, then do you think they wanted Paul to suffer? No. So, so this implies that they got some information from the Holy Spirit that Paul's going to suffer. Hey, don't go to Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit told us, you know, uh, because of what the Holy Spirit had told them. One translation says, we went and found the disciples and stayed there a week. And they, warned by the Spirit, urged Paul to abandon his visit to Jerusalem. Uh, one translation says, In finding uh, up the disciples, we remained there seven days, and they uh, unto Paul began to say through the Spirit that we would gain no footing in Jerusalem. Uh, another one says that uh, uh, because God's Spirit revealed to them that people would cause Paul to suffer, and Paul would suffer in Jerusalem, they told Paul that he should not go there. Uh, and another one says that uh, they were taught by the Spirit. They were, uh, that, uh, having searched for the disciples and found them, we stayed at Tyre for seven days. And taught by the Spirit, they repeatedly urged Paul not to proceed to Jerusalem. Again, uh, uh, they were, what were they taught by the Spirit? That Paul was going to suffer. And so they urged, uh, so the response was they urged Paul not to proceed. Uh, the last translation says, because of impressions made by the Spirit, they kept on warning Paul not to set foot in Jerusalem. So the, the, the impression I get from, from these different translations is called the same impression is that the Spirit of God showed them the same thing that he showed the, the prophet Agabus later on that Paul was going to suffer. And because of their human love for Paul, they, they urged Paul not to go. Well, that's not unreasonable. That's not unusual to do that. But you have to discern what is the Holy Spirit and what is my emotions, right? What is the Holy Spirit saying versus what are my emotions saying? Uh, and, and if you're not careful, it's really easy to slide one right from one to the other and to say, well, the Holy Spirit said to not go to Jerusalem, uh, and so, uh, or the Holy Spirit showed us that Paul's going to suffer in Jerusalem, so therefore Paul shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Well, the Holy Spirit didn't say don't go to Jerusalem. 
they said don't go to Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit showed them that Paul was going to um, that Paul was going to uh, suffer there. And so you have to be really careful. And, and I think that these, these particular translations bring out the essence of really what was going on, that the Holy Spirit showed them. Same thing the Holy Spirit showed the prophet. And I think that's why the, this part in verse 10 was there to put those two stories together, that the Holy Spirit's the same Holy Spirit, right? He told Paul, he told the disciples in verse 4 that Paul was going to suffer. He told the prophet in verse 10 that Paul was going to suffer. Uh, and the prophet just left it at that. Paul, you do whatever you want to. You know, I'm just giving you information, Paul. Right? Just giving you information because it says later on he was told this in multiple cities, right? So it wasn't just these two cities here. It was multiple cities that he was told these things. And, and that's really easy to do. You know, I remember one time that uh, um, it's really easy to do this. It's really easy to take something that the Lord says and to, to add uh, meaning to it that's not there. Uh, and, um, you know, years ago when I was going through those difficult times with my pastor, I remember talking to the Lord about it. And I said, um, um, uh, Lord, you know, could you, not, could you not tell him to walk in love towards me? That's what I asked the Lord. You know, would you not tell him, could you not tell him to walk in love with me? And all the Lord said was no. And that's all he said, you know. And I thought, and I really got my feelings hurt because I thought, you know, he, even the Lord won't help me. You know, I, I was just, you know, all these years of, of uh, persecution that I was un, uh, under the ministry of my pastor. And, and I asked the Lord for some help. I just went, I just, all I wanted was somebody to walk in love towards me. You know, that's not really asking a whole lot, is it? It doesn't seem like it's asking a whole lot. Lord, could you not uh, tell him to walk in love towards me? No. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, and so I got my feelings hurt. Because the Lord said that. I thought, well, Lord, I thought you was on my side, Lord. You know, I thought, you know, I thought I was writing these things. And, uh, and, um, uh, and years later, after he died, years later, I was kind of going back. And just that kind of, that, that same, that event rose back up in my heart. Uh, Lord, you know, I asked you to, if you'd walk in love, you know. And you said no. And here's the thing I didn't do before. Well, why, why won't you tell him? So I didn't ask. I didn't follow up with a question. Because Lord, the thing I've noticed about the Lord, and you see with David, right? Back Old Testament, David asked the Lord six questions. The Lord answered one of them. David had to go back and ask the other questions again. Uh, and what I have found, you know, the Lord, he's not obligated to tell me anything except for what he wants to tell me. And then you, sometimes you've got to just, sometimes you've got to stay after it with the Lord. And say, I want to know, Lord. You know, I want to know the answer to this question. And so I said, Lord, well, then why did you, why, why wouldn't you tell him to walk in love? And the Lord, and he said this, and I thought it was an amazing statement. He said, he said, I've already told, I've already, I've already declared in my word to walk in love. He said, I'm under no obligation to repeat myself. And, and you know, if the, Lord, if the Bible says to walk in love, do you need a thus saith the Lord to walk in love? You don't need a thus saith the Lord to walk in love because he already told you to walk in love. So he would be repeating it. Now, does he, sometimes he does, right? Sometimes we're slow and not very intelligent and, the Lord's like, dummy, walk in love, right? But, you know, if somebody's saying, you know, uh, if somebody says, I only do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do, then the Holy Spirit's like, I ain't telling you what to do. If, if I already told you what to do in the Word, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And that's kind of his attitude, right? Sometimes we, we cop this little attitude with the Lord, and the Lord's like, last time I checked, I'm in charge, not you, right? Last time I'm in, I checked, I'm the one who already told you what to do. And so, so what did I do? I, I, added, I added information to what the Lord said that was never there. That the Lord just wasn't on my side. He didn't want to help me. He did want to help me. He, he spent 
2,000 years writing the Bible for my benefit to give to my pastor for my pastor to walk in love by the word of God and didn't need to repeat himself. And so he spent a lot of energy preparing that process so that he would know to do that. And, and you know, that, look, I'm not mad at my pastor or anything like that, but, you know, he, he wouldn't walk in love towards me, you know. Uh, eventually we, we did work it out, you know. Uh, but we have to be really careful when the Lord speaks to, to not add to that. Right, not add, add add to what the Lord said, um, and, and you know it just um, it, it's a little similar to um, you know a lot of times just in prayer throughout the week, uh, the Lord will speak to me about people in a church. Right, you say you know uh, uh, on Sunday when you see so and so, tell them tell them this. Right, whatever, pray for them, say this. You know, and usually He'll just give me one or two things to say, and as I as I pray for them, He'll give me the rest of it. That's kind of the normal. Uh, process that Lord works at least for me and my observation is many ministers of that because it's a, it's an act of faith right I have to step out in faith to say what the Lord has told me and then he'll he'll hook up with my faith and give me the rest of it right uh, it's rare that he'll just lay it all out and say all these things and, and that's it uh, but uh, more than once the Lord would speak to me about somebody uh, and say um, you know tell them this on Sunday okay Lord, no problem and I get here and they're not here and they're like, well, you know, you reckon I missed it? Well, you know, it's possible I missed it, right? It's possible I just got it wrong. I didn't hear from the Lord. Uh, but, you know, um, <clears throat> I just kind of left it alone. You know, but it, after it happened two or three times, then I went to the Lord about it. Because, you know, I, just, I didn't really make an assumption I missed it. I just left it alone, right? And a lot of times I just leave things alone unless the Lord gives me more information. But uh, in that case, I went to the Lord about it. Lord, what's the deal? You told me to, to say this to that person, right? Uh, and and um, uh, you know what he said? He, he said? he said, my will never changes. He said, my will was for them to be there on Sunday. And so I, I spoke those words to you to speak to them on that Sunday. And because they didn't follow my will, that's not my problem. Uh, and that, that, you know, the Lord does, you know, from the, before the foundation of the world, he intended for those words to be said that particular day. And they didn't show up. Is that, is that, is that uh, the Lord's problem? Is he like, oh. You know, I, I thought you'd be there, but since you weren't, I'll, I'll, you know. Now, here's the problem. I have the mental knowledge of those words that he said, like the next Sunday and they show up, right? I have the mental knowledge of that, but I don't have the anointing to say it. So I can't say it uh, just with the mental knowledge because there's not going to be anything else after that, right? The Lord's, you know, he gave me, he may give you one or two things to say, but he wants to say six or seven things. But I can't get the other six or seven unless there's anointing to do that. And so if the anointing's not there to do that, I can't just say the one or two things that would... That, that would be out of order with the Lord. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, one time, the Lord said on, on Sunday, you give so-and-so so much money. Hundreds of dollars, you know, give them so much money. Okay, Lord, no problem. You know, I put that money in my pocket, came to church, looking for them, you know, hey. And they didn't show up. I said, Sweet, I've got $300, you know. Uh, did you give them next week? No. The Lord said, that's Sunday, right? That had the window. And, and so I, you know, I went to eat or something with that money. Uh, and, and so... You know, that's, it's not my problem, right? It's, uh, uh, we can't add to it. We can't take away from what the Lord says. If he says those things, then, then that's it. Amen. Uh, and so just, just be careful about these things because it's just, I believe that the disciples, especially the way the King James is written in verse 4, I believe they got the same exact information that Paul got or that Agabus got, but, uh, but they added to it. Or, you know, and it implies, you know, the King James implies that, that the Lord said don't, tell them not to go. But I think the different translations bring out the fact that the Holy Spirit warned them like he did 
to Agabus, and then they told Paul, well, based on our knowledge and our information, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. And that's not correct, right? You've got to be really careful. You're prophesying over people, especially their lives are, are important. You've got to be really careful about what you say to people and don't say to people, right? And, and I had somebody call me up one time fussing at me. You know, and, and let me encourage you about this. Don't call me up and start, with, start out with an accusation. Amen? Just call me up with a question. Okay, they, they called me up uh, and so actually were texting me, right? Hey, you need to stop. You don't need to be telling, you know, my wife to do these things. That was their start. That's how they started, right? And I'm like, I didn't do that. You know, and, and, you know uh, it's about some decision they were make, want to make in their family. You don't be, you know, you shouldn't be telling my wife what to do. That's, I'm like, well, first of all, it's not my job to tell your wife what to do. Uh, and, and number two, I didn't even do that. So I don't know where you got that from. You know, I don't know if she told you I got that or you just implied, inferred, you know, I got that or she inferred it or you implied it or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know how this came about, but I didn't do it. I said, number one, not my job to tell you how to live your life. My job is to tell you what the word says. Your job is to decide what to do about that. Amen. And, and if you come up and say, hey, should I do this or not do this? Why are you asking me, right? I can give you some wisdom about some things. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? That's fine, right? But if you want a yes or no from me, well, you should, no, it's no way. Should I buy this car? I'm not telling you you should buy that car or not buy that car, you know. Now, if I see, you know, like the engine's blowing up, you know, I'd probably say, well, you might want to think twice about it. But uh, if, 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 if everything looks normal on the outside, I, there's no way I would tell you buy that car. Because I don't, uh, you know, I'm not supernatural. The Lord's supernatural, but I'm not. Now, if the Lord said, thus said the Lord, if he spoke to me in a supernatural way, maybe I'd tell you. But, you know, that's generally he doesn't do that because... You've got the Holy Ghost in you. You know these things, amen? Not my job to be your Holy Ghost. And that's what I told him. Not my job to be your Holy Ghost. And yet he was still mad at me. He's like, why are you mad at me? I didn't even do anything. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it's the... Now, have pastors ever done that in the past? You know, remember all the discipleship stuff that went on back in the 80s, you know? And, and you had to go to the pastor to decide if it's okay to who to marry and what car to buy and what job to take. Anybody remember those days, right? There was a big movement of that, especially in Florida. Uh, and um, it was way out of control, way out of, way out of the Word of God, way out of balance, because we live in the New Testament. You have the Holy Ghost. Not my job to be your Holy Ghost. Amen? Uh, and, if, and if I take that place, you know, then, then I am out of order. Amen? And I, and I will open myself up to devils, to demonic spirits, right, and, and do those things. Uh, and so, so I don't believe Paul missed it at all uh, by, um, by going to Jerusalem uh, because eventually, you know, Jerusalem led him to Rome. And, and I think that was the ultimate goal for the Lord, is to get Paul to Rome, right? To get Paul to go and stand before uh, the Caesars there. Uh, and so, uh, we've got a couple more minutes there. Uh, the, the other thing related to that is, uh, you know, just like we said, where Paul had said, you know, if you're going to eat meat offered to idols, no big deal, Right? Now, the Jews would have thought that was just heresy to eat meat offered to idols, right? Because the Old Testament talks about things like that, and it would be considered a terribly unclean thing to do. Um, but Paul was, he was really, um, you know, I, I don't want to really use the word progressive, but he, he was really advancing faith in a great way in what he did. Because what Paul was able to do, he was able to walk in grace. And the thing about grace that's, that's great is grace... Uh, in fact, what did, what did Paul say? That uh, let's, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Because, it, because really it sums up exactly Paul's heart in these things. 
And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, um, uh, verse 18, it says, What is my reward then? Barely that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may, may abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant to all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews... I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain uh, them that are without the law. Uh, and, he, and he continues there in verse 22, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now, now these verses... Uh, People have used these to do all manner of evil in the world, right? Uh, I've got to be all things to all men. So I'm going to go be a thief. That, that way I can win all the thieves, right? Is, is that okay? It's not okay because he said he's not, he's not without law. He's, he still has the law of God in his heart, right? But for things that don't matter, he could do them, right? So that's why he was able to go back in Acts chapter 21, why he was able to go through the purification process and go to the temple. Why? Because for Paul, he doesn't care. He's already purified. He's washed in the blood. So if it's going to help the Jews in order to help them get into faith, he can, he can purify himself because it's nothing to him. Right? It doesn't matter at all to him to be purified since he's already purified. Right? But he, he could go through the ritual purification uh, and, um, and be okay with it. Now, finding the balance of that, you have to be really careful because it's really easy to say, well, I'm going to go be a bartender because that way I can listen to everybody's woes and difficulties and I can really help them, right? Would that be okay? No. I mean, anybody with a brain would say, well, that's not okay. But I can guarantee you, some Christians going to go, yeah, that's right, that's okay, you know. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's something wrong with that, right? I'm going to go be a prostitute to help all the prostitutes. No, that's not okay, right? And yet, uh, uh, people do crazy things like that. They'll go do the worst things. I'm going to go be, you know, we're going to go make, uh, uh, we're having a keg party because, we, you know, we want, to, we want people to relax. Just calm down, you know. If you're drinking up beer, you will be relaxed, I guess. I've heard of it anyway. I've never actually been drunk in my life. But uh, I did have a half a can of beer once when I was like in eighth grade. So that was my wild days, right? Uh, and so, but I'm not going to go drink alcohol to make you feel comfortable, right? I'm not going to violate my conscience. I'm not going to violate the Word of God or the Spirit of God. But for things that don't matter, like eating meat offered to idols, does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. In fact, the Word of God covers that scenario, so we're good with that at least, amen. Now, and this whole thing about going to the temple. Uh, was there a need even for the temple after the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead? No, there's, the temple could have been burned down and been buried and wouldn't have mattered at all from a spiritual standpoint. But, it, but was it important to the Jewish people, even to the Christian Jews? Sure it was. And so from Paul's perspective, he could go to the temple, he loved the temple, right? And, you know, he had no need for the temple, but just from a traditional standpoint, it was still a valuable part of their culture. Amen. Uh, and, and just to give you some more uh, insight into that, uh, turn, we're in 1 Corinthians. We've got just a minute here. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Actually, let's, uh, let's turn to, to back to Acts chapter 16, and we'll get that to uh, Galatians chapter 2. So Acts chapter 16. So um, here we are uh, in um, verse 1. And it says, uh, then, then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple uh, was there named Timotheus, 
the son, that's Timothy, right? The son of a woman who, which was a Jewish, uh, Jewess, and believed, but his father uh, was a Greek. So his mother was a Jew, his father was a Greek. So, you know, he could be accepted in certain circles for that. And it says, which was well reported of by, by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were there, which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep and ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. Uh, and so, so Paul took uh, and he circumcised Timothy. Well, why did he circumcise Timothy? I thought he knew, Paul didn't preach, didn't Paul preach that circumcision is nothing? He said, uh, circumcision is nothing, neither is uncircumcision, right? He said, it doesn't matter whether you circumcise or not. And yet, Paul specifically went and circumcised Timothy. Well, why did he do that? Well, well what, was, what was the lineage of Timothy's uh, mother? She was a Jew, right? So if she was a Jew, that means that Timothy had some rights as a, as a Jewish person. And if he was circumcised, he could travel with Paul in any Jewish circles and be okay. Uh, now, if he wasn't a Jew, uh, would, would the Jews accept him? No. If Timothy wasn't a Jew, the Jews would not accept him. And so because he was a Jew, they would accept him as long as he followed the law. Well, was circumcision anything to Paul at all? No, he said in Galatians, it's nothing, right? It's neither here nor there. Uh, in fact, he said, if you are circumcised, he said, you, you have fallen from grace. If you think that circumcision is what gets you favor with God, you've fallen from grace. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul was able to take Timothy, not in violating any of his conscience at all, not, not, not uh, short-circuiting the word and not uh, uh, compromising the word at all, but because it was to his advantage that hey, Timothy was well-spoken of. He was a great help. In fact, he called Timothy a son of the faith, right? Uh, that he was a, a very close confidant to Paul and a great aid to Paul. And if Paul could take him and have him circumcised, then he could go Paul everywhere. Go to the temple, right? go to synagogues, travel him everywhere, and it was great. Uh, if he was a Gentile, they would have never accepted him. doesn't matter if he's circumcised or not, even though we know the Old Testament law would allow that to happen, but that's, that's another discussion. So, so that's Timothy, but turn over to Galatians chapter 2. So in Galatians chapter 2, uh, let's start here in, um, well, let's start in verse 1. It says, Then fourteen years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Uh, and it says, and that because a false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty that we have in Christ Jesus, that we might bring, that they might bring us into bondage. Um, and so and it says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Uh, and so what was Paul saying here? He said, well, uh, in this case, Titus, who was a Greek, had no Jewish uh, heritage at all. So circumcision would do him no good, but they still tried to pressure him if you accept Jesus, you still had to be circumcised because the Jews wanted to put circumcision onto everybody, Jews and, and the uh, Gentiles alike. And, and Paul's like, no, there's no way I'm going to do that. There's no advantage. Now, from a natural standpoint, like Timothy, it was a natural thing. that It was no spiritual value of it at all, but it was natural that allowed him to go into the closer circles with the Jews. But for Titus, who had never been accepted anyway, 
Paul's like, no, we ain't doing that. Now, here's the problem with that. Finding that grace for some people is really difficult. Finding the grace that, you know, you can do this thing over here, just a natural thing, and it's no big deal. But over here, you know, uh, there's no way you can do that, right? Uh, Finding that grace of that is difficult for some people because we're always trying to turn everything into a law. So what's the law here? Did Paul violate his conscience by allowing Timothy to be circumcised back in Acts chapter 16? No. Did Paul violate any law by not requiring Titus to be uh, circumcised here in Galatians chapter 2? No. The, the grace was, well, it's going to help the Jews over here. There's no compromise of my, of my conscience by allowing Timothy to be circumcised because it's nothing. It doesn't matter at all, right? Uh, and so, so that's the, that's the, the part you've got to... And there's no path. The only, the only way you can do that is by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, right? And, and a lot of people will disagree with you. People are mad at Paul. They disagree with Paul. They, they, you know, everybody, all the, all the Christians should be circumcised. Uh, people were mad at Paul about that. We heard your teaching against the laws of Moses. And Paul's like, well, yeah. I mean, of course, yeah, that, that's been done with, right? And that they would get so mad at the Jews, would get so mad at Paul. Even those that had been converted to Christianity would get so mad at Paul because... How dare he, you know, preach that we don't have to keep these Old Testament laws? Uh, and so, uh, so, so how do you know in any circumstance whether it's something you should do or not? Well, that's really easy. Who, what, where, where has the law of God been written in the New Testament? In your hearts, right? So you have the Holy Ghost in you. Now, now here's the thing. How many times have you heard people say, well, the Spirit of God told me to do that? Is that right? Uh, how do you, what's the best way to judge whether the Holy Spirit told you to do that or not? The easiest way in the world. Do you know what the easiest way in the world is? What's the Word say, right? Does, the, does what the Spirit of God say, does it violate any principle, either direct or indirect, in the Word of God? The law of love, you know, uh, you know well, the Lord told me to divorce my wife and go marry that girl over there. Would the Lord tell you to do that? Well, no, but you know how many people have, think, have thought that? You know, they're, they're married and, and they, they see another woman come in. And, wow, an upgrade. And, and well, the Lord told me to get rid of you. I'm going to tell me to marry her. You think the Lord would ever do that? No, right? Uh, and so, you know, but, but how many thus saith the Lord have people done over the years that were not thus saith the Lord, right? So, uh, it's, to me, a lot of things are easy because first thing I hear when I hear somebody say thus saith the Lord is, okay, how does that line up with the word of God? Because if there's anything that violates the word of God, it's automatic at zero, right? It's automatic. I don't even think about it. It's, it's thrown out, right? If it passes the, 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 uh, the review of the word of God, it's still, I still don't accept it yet, but at least that's the first. The second thing is, what's my heart tell me? If my heart says, I can't do that, then I'm not doing it. doesn't matter if you say, thus said the Lord. I've had people tell me, uh, you know, I even had my pastor tell me, you go do that. And it wasn't anything unethical, but my heart's like, I can't do that. So I didn't do it, you know. And, and now, I was with him 20 years. I can maybe name not even a handful of times that happened, right? Most of the time, if he said to go do something, I had to go do it, you know. But a few times he said to go do something, like uh, my heart wouldn't let me, so I wouldn't do it. And I suffered for that consequence, you know, because you, know, you didn't disobey him. You know, well, you know, you know, hellfire and damnation come down on you. Out of the camp, you know, you go, right? Uh, but... Um, You've got to judge everything that you hear by two, by two witnesses, right? Let every word be, uh, be judged by two witnesses. First witness is always the word of God. Second witness is what's the Spirit of God telling you in your heart. Yeah. And, and you have to be willing to do that. It doesn't matter who says it. 
Doesn't matter where they came from. Amen. Doesn't matter. I don't care, you know, everything Brother Randy's ever said to me. Number one, what's the Word of God say? Number two, what's my heart say? And, you know, he's never said anything to violate those two witnesses. But I still judge him. Uh, you know, I've known him for, for, you know, closely over 10 years, you know. And I still judge it. And, I, and I'll know him for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you know. I don't know how long he's going to stick around here. But, um, you know, I'll, as long as he's around, I'll be around with him. Uh, everything he ever says, you know, I'll still judge it the same way. What's the Word of God say? What's, the, what's, my heart, what's my heart say? What's the Spirit of God say? And if you're willing to do that, you'll always be safe. You know, but like I said, I can't tell you how many times people have said, Thus saith the Lord. And I'll tell you just one more, one more story about that and we'll go. But I, I, I know uh, there was a situation one time where uh, this pastor had signed a contract with somebody, give him so much money every month, right? Give him uh, till forever. Uh, and, and, and I actually wrote the contract, so I know what it says. And so... Um, and so you know that's fine right well after about a year now you know I, I wasn't part of that group or anything after about a year he stood up and said the Holy Spirit said to no longer give this money out well that's a direct conflict with uh, Psalm 15 right a man should swear to his own hurt and do what change not you think the Holy Spirit's going to tell you that you gave your word, now you need to break your word. Because who are you going to hurt if you break your word? It's going to hurt them. Now, if you're going to break your word and, hurt, and it hurts you, right, uh, then, then um, you know, I mean, what if you say, I'm never giving you any money ever again. And, and tomorrow you say, well, here's $1,000. Would that be okay? Well, that'd be okay. I mean, you know, because you're hurting yourself. You're not hurting them. You're going to hurt anybody by giving them $1,000, Right. You're not going to hurt them. So, you know, in a situation like that, if you need to repent because what you said yesterday was wrong and it hurts you to, cha to, to, to change, well, then that's usually okay, right? Because you were wrong to begin with. And, and so, you know, in a situation like that's fine. But, but if, I'm, if I'm giving you money and then I say the Lord, you know, and, and I signed, not only told you I would, but I signed a piece of paper said I would. Now, we know from, from uh, our study of, of, uh, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, that you're yay, ba, and nay, nay. You don't really need a piece of paper, but you know sometimes it's helpful to write all the details on a piece of paper. And so that's what we did. He signed it, and he got up. And, and somebody was telling me this, and, and without even thinking, I said, "Well, that can't be good, God, because that's violating you know the principles of the Word." Oh, he, it has to be God. He said it was God. He said it was the Holy Spirit. And and I backed off because I'm thinking, well, I didn't mean to, you know, to tell you that you're wrong because you're wrong too. You believe them, they're wrong, but you're wrong for believing them. You're all wrong. All you're wrong. Everybody's wrong. And so, you know, it's not my, I don't usually run around telling everybody they're wrong, but, but this was a close personal friend of mine, you know, and, I, and that had told me this. And I said, well, that can't be God. And they got all offended at me when I said that. Why? Because I judge everything by the word. Always I, everything. I judge every, no matter what, who says it, I judge it by the word. I don't care what you tell me you think the Lord said to you. I'm going to judge it by the word, right? One person came out and said, a prophet spoke of him and said, the reason why you're having all these emotional problems in your life is because you had a uh, you had a hard childbirth when you when your mother birthed you it was a difficult childbirth therefore you have all these emotional problems in your life and I thought well that, I thought we have a free will don't you have a free will you got a free, you can choose to be happy or not be happy amen your birthing has got no impact on your on your on your joy or, and and I said that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard and you know it's funny they got mad at me and didn't talk to me for like a year. And, you know, and, and like two, it was two years later they, found, they came back and said, you know, you was right. Well, I was right two years before that. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be right. I was like, you know, when, just because somebody speaks over me, 
I, there's no way out except you know, all your problems because how your mama birthed you. It's like, oh, that gives me the opportunity to never change and to be a ter- terrible person. You know, that's really people are excited about words like that. People that don't want to change. People that want to have an excuse to live, be terrible people are always looking for an excuse, right? And if some prophet comes in and says, you're a terrible person because, you know, your mama raised you bad. Oh, that, yeah, you're right. You're right. Amen. You know, I'm a terrible person and I can't change. You know, that's the dumbest thing. That's the dumbest thing. Any, anything anybody tells you. In fact, the Lord told me these words. He said, any doctrine that removes your free will is bad doctrine. Amen. And, and that's what they did. They removed their free will to, to be happy or not be happy because of their birth. So they no longer had a choice in the matter. They were doomed to have a bad life because of, and there was nothing they could do about it. Well, that's bad doctrine. You always have a choice. Amen. And that's, that's a general principle of the Word of God. If I hear anybody say anything prophesying-wise that would violate that, I throw it out. Don't even listen to it. Throw it out. It's garbage. You know, it's a waste of, waste of good air. And I'm not mad at anybody, but how many people have been harmed by statements like that? Well, the Lord woke me up this morning and told me I've got to violate that contract. Really? The Lord Jesus told you that? The one that, that you said, let your yes be yes, your nay be nay. Anything else is evil. Did he say that? Anything else is evil. Uh, and yet, uh, this was somebody stood in a pulpit, told hundreds of people. They all believed them. It's like, there's no way. There's no way, right? Uh, and so, and can we all miss it? All of us can miss it, right? I can miss it a thousand times, amen? Uh, but uh, it, it's just, um, uh, we, we've just got to be careful, amen? Judge everything, word of God, what the Spirit of God telling you, you'll always be fine, Amen? And if you do it in that order, you'll be fine. If you do it the other way around, you'll get, you'll get it wrong. Guaranteed. If you always do the Word of God first, because the Word of God covers almost every circumstance in general, in many circumstances specifically, right? There's no specifics about whether you should buy a car or not, but you know the Lord will lead you and guide you all truth. Amen? And so that's, that's in general that should work. Amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word. So Father, we thank You for the Word of God. And Father, we thank You for the blessings of Your Word. And Lord, we thank You for the grace of God that allows us to be all things to all people, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We, uh, we give you praise and honor for these things, and we thank you for the wisdom of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. You know, one of the ways you can be all things to all, all people, you know, people like to talk about lots of different topics, right? And some people love sports. And so, you know, I, I know a little bit about sports, you know, and I can talk a little bit about sports, you know. Some people love hunting, right? I don't know anything about hunting except you're murdering mammals, you know, but... You know, I can talk to you about, well, hey, you know, is it cold out there? You know, what'd you find? You know, how do you find a deer? You know, what do you, you know, you can still, you can still talk to people about things like that, right? Some people are like, I don't hunt at all. You know, it's just, you know, that, it's not something I do. Well, well, then you're not all things to all people, right? You, you're really selfish about that, you know, amen? Now, I don't have to go out and be a hunter because if you, you can't be all things, you know, in the sense of actually going out and being a professional hunter and then be a professional sports person and be a professional everything, you can't do that, but you can know some things about it and have some interest about it and, and help people out like that. So come ahead, Mr. Dare, to receive the offering. Uh, and so, you know, it doesn't, it, I could talk to anybody about anything. It doesn't matter, you know, and I don't, if I don't know anything, you know, the best thing for me, when I, if, if somebody is, is really likes a certain topic and I know nothing about it, easiest thing to do, to ask them a lot of questions. Well, what color is that? How do you do that? How long does it take you to do that? When did you learn to do that, you know? You can just, you know, be kind to people, Amen. This attitude, you know, I, I asked one, one fellow at work one time, I said, hey, did you watch the game the other day? Well, I don't watch TV at home. I mean, just mad about it. You know, I don't watch TV at home, the devil TV, you know. I'm like, wow, okay, you know. He, he said, we, we just watch everything on DVD. It's still the same thing. It's just slow TV, right? 
It's the same thing that I'm watching, except it's slower, right? And they just send it to the machine, and I mean, it's just so dumb. It's like, what? You don't go make mad at me because you didn't watch the game. I don't care. I don't even like him that. I mean, I watch it because it's there, but you know, it just. I just could care less, right? Uh, you know, I told you somebody the other day, they said, hey, do you like football? I said, oh, you know, I watch the Titans every now. Oh, we don't like NFL. We like college football. I could care less. You know, I don't, I don't care at all. You know, I barely care about what I do watch, you know, because it's not important, amen? But if it's important to you, you know, I can have a conversation about it. You know, well, you like the quarterback, what's the quarterback's name, you know? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's, not, it's not a moral question, Amen. And so we'll get there. But you've got to find the grace to be there. Amen. Paul had great grace, and I appreciate that about him. Let's find the grace and do that and be okay. Amen. Never compromise, but we can still be all things to all men. Amen. So be blessed, and we'll see you all on Sunday.